The 151st General Assembly will have a set of new faces when the new legislative session kicks off in January. It'll also be one of the most diverse classes with members representing the LGBTQ community and the Delaware Legislative Black Caucus, which has increased from eight to 12 members now. The freshman class includes representatives Medina Wilson-Anton, Sharia Moore, Eric Morrison, Larry Lambert, and Senators Kyle Evans-Gay, Marie Pickney, and Sarah McBride. As these new lawmakers prepare to come together and work a wide range of bills in 2021, we thought it would be great to get up close and personal with all of them. From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, you're listening to Whip Count. I want to start this podcast off with Democratic activist, now Senator Sarah McBride. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I am just grateful to have you. I remember the first time I met you and also when you had the opportunity to speak at the Democratic National Convention in 2016. And you spoke, you were the first transgender person to speak at a major party convention. What was that like? It was a surreal experience. I think, you know, for me and for so many people in the LGBTQ community and particularly the, the trans community, it was one of the first times that we had seen a, a mainstream political party so clearly and publicly embrace our cause as their cause, our rights as, as, as rights worthy of being protected and defended and fought for. And so it was really powerful standing on that stage, looking out at an arena full of people who were applauding, not me, but the, the dignity and worth of, of every trans person. And it was particularly special because I could see the Delaware delegation just to my right side um, with my parents standing under the Delaware delegation sign next to people like Senator Coons and and Lisa Goodman and Drew Fennell and others. And I thought about my parents and how scared they were when I came out. And in that moment, I hoped looking at that arena, looking around them in that arena, that, that they would know that things were going to be okay. You know, so many firsts, and I, and I have to first start off by calling you Senator McBride, right? <laughs> Feel free to call me Sarah at any point. <laughs> but no, this, that's a, a title you've earned and you should get used to it. And I'm happy to call you Senator McBride. But tell us, you are the nation's first ever transgender state senator. And you're also Delaware's first out LGBTQ person elected in a state's legislature. So many firsts. You know, I think that, that, that what's so important um, for anyone who's a first, for anyone who's entering a space where no one quite like them has, has been given access to or has, has been able to have a seat at the table in is to make sure that you're not the last. But I didn't run to make history. I didn't run to make headlines. I ran to make a difference in, in this community, uh, the community that I was born and raised in, the community that shaped me into the person that I am. And a community that support that supported me and sustained me through some of the most difficult challenges in my own life. But I think it is so important to to to, to remember that 
diversity in government is not just a luxury, it's a necessity for a true and healthy democracy, because you can't have a government of the people, by the people, and for all the people if our full diversity is not represented at the table. And you can't craft solutions on a whole host of issues for a diverse community if that full diversity is not reflected in the decision-making processes. And so it, 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 it's wonderful to, to have the opportunity to serve, but it's also a reminder of the responsibility that, that I have, that Marie Pinckney has, that Eric Morrison has, to, to make sure that we're not the last, that we create more seats at the table so that more of our diversity can be represented and to make sure that we are doing justice by the LGBTQ community by being the best state senators we can be for the residents of our district. I'm glad you brought that up because you are an activist first. You are also the former spokesperson for the Human Rights Campaign. So this is nothing new. This is something that is true to your, true and is something that is in your heart, ultimately. Well, I brought to this campaign, and one of the reasons I decided to run is because I brought to this campaign an unyielding sense of optimism and hope that change is possible, that we have a limitless potential for progress before us. Because over the last 10 years of my life, through my work and advocacy, both here in Delaware and, and nationally with the Human Rights Campaign, I've seen our capacity to bring about seemingly impossible change. And so I ran with that knowledge that change is possible and with the hope that if we've made that seemingly impossible change a reality in the past, then we can do so again and we can do it on all of the issues that we face from education to healthcare to building an economy that works for all of us to reimagining and reforming our criminal justice system. And so I'm really excited to be joining with my colleagues in the General Assembly, both those who are, are returning and also this incredibly talented, diverse new class of legislators to really tackle these issues and to meet the scope and the scale of the problems that we face with big ideas. And you're already on the job, Sarah, already on the job. You're meeting with different organizations, as you, you shared with me uh, prior to this interview, correct? Yeah, you know, one of the one of the, the the really interesting things about Delaware is that the term for legislators begins at midnight on election night. And so, you know, we I think all of us maybe got a little bit of sleep that night, but then woke up the next day ready to to, to get to work, to roll up our sleeves, to, to to talk with our constituents, to meet with small businesses and nonprofits in our districts, and to make sure that we were already beginning the conversations with our colleagues about how we can work together to not just weather the COVID-19 crisis, but to make sure that we rebuild and, and reimagine our economy so that it truly works for everyone, so that this is a recovery that lifts up all working families here in Delaware. It's nice to always just think about how far, when you look at your own life, how far you've come. And just talking with you just makes me think of our now president, President Joe Biden, or, you know, he'll, he'll be sworn in in January, but I like to call him president now mm -hmm. and how he first ran in 1988 and he kept, and he stuck with it. And it sort of reminds, it, it tells a story for all those who are listening to keep going, whatever your heart is telling you to do, whatever you're passionate about, just keep going. Well, that's one of the lessons that I've taken from the last 10 years of my life. I thought when I came out that I was giving up everything, that I was giving up 
a community that I could call home, that I was giving up the potential to, to find love and to be loved, that I was giving up the opportunity to, to make a difference in my community and make change. Um, but what I've seen over the last 10 years is that the only things that are truly impossible are the things we don't try and that the only limitation on our potential is our own imagination. And, and so I'm, like I said, just incredibly optimistic and hopeful that with this, this new class joining the current legislators, that we're going to come together to, to work out some of the most intractable challenges that face our state. Now, Senator, you don't come from a political family, correct? Correct. I mean, I grew up in a family that, you know, talked about current events around the dinner table. Um, that was that was certainly politically minded, but um, not, you know, I think a lot of folks, uh, a, a lot of folks know that I've been involved for politics for a while, but, um, you know, I credit my parents to instilling in me a strong sense of civic duty, um, but, but not a family that was, you know, running for office or, or you know, yeah. uh, particularly politically engaged. They were community advocates, my did mom you, in particular. Yeah. Did you ever see yourself running for office? Uh, you know, growing up, the idea that someone like me could serve in the Delaware State Senate seemed so impossible that it was almost incomprehensible. And, you know, I always knew that I wanted to work in government and, and, and advocacy because it felt like the place where you can make the most amount of change for the most number of people and the most number of ways possible. Uh, but, but it certainly never seemed possible to be an out trans person and to be elected to the state legislature. Um, fortunately, over the last few years, we've seen more and more LGBTQ people elected and more trans people elected, people like Danica Rome down in Virginia, who's proven that that LGBTQ candidates can run and and win. Um, and so I, I just I, I think about how much of a difference it would have made to to me as a young kid to see something like this in the news. And and while the real work begins in January and while it, it, I never ran for this reason, it is comforting to know that we were hopefully able to send a, a simple but profound message to a young kid here in Delaware or elsewhere that our democracy can be big enough for them too, and that they can live their truth and dream big dreams all at the same time. Senator, you're in your, I don't want to age you, you know, it's, it's always tough when you, you ask a person their age, but you're in your thirties, correct? <laughs> I, I turned 30 this past August. Okay, good, good. I just, cause I'm 11 years older than my, my sister. So I'm like, I think, she's around my sister's age okay <laughs> all right whatever the case let's I just needed to get that out however you're 30 now what would 30 year old Sarah say to 10 year old Sarah I think that what I would want to tell a 10 year old version of myself is that your voice matters your truth matters and that while your fears are understandable, understandable, that they're unfounded. I probably wouldn't say that word because I might not know what it, that means at <laughs> ten years old. But that, yeah. But that your voice matters. That that while your fears are understandable, it's going to be okay. That you can you can live your truth and dream big dreams all at the same time. That that your family will love you. That your friends will still be your friends. And that this community that you love, this state of neighbors that you love, it'll have your back. 
and you can be embraced and welcomed and supported and loved in this state, just like you've always hoped for. Beautiful. Now, while you have grown into a, a wonderful person, and I'm sure you you've you are much more confident and you're you com- you're comfortable speaking your truth now. Is it still a challenge? Because sometimes people think once you become an adult, everything is just you don't have to worry about those things. But right. what would you say to an adult who's still struggling, trying to find their voice? You know, it's such a great question because I think one of the things that 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 oftentimes gets lost in the headlines and the news stories about firsts and about people who who you know win their elections is it can look like they never doubted. It can look like they didn't struggle with fear and anxiety. And, and, and those of us who run, we run in spite of the fear. We run in spite of the anxiety that is very real and very present for us too. And so I think a lot of times people can think, well, they might be able to do it, but I can't because I have these fears, because I have these anxieties, because of, 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 of different concerns because of imposter syndrome. And I think that it's so important to, to demystify that victory, to de- demystify those who are in public office, to understand that we struggle with those same things too. And we, were, we, we did it in spite of those challenges and in spite of those fears. And so to know that it's possible, it's possible to be scared. It's possible to have anxiety. It's possible... To, to, to worry if people will take you seriously. It's possible to have those concerns and those fears and those thoughts and still do it and still run and still win. And, and so I think it's so important that, we, that, we, that we're open about that, that we're vulnerable and honest about the challenges that we face because too often it's easy to think when you see these stories that that person might've been able to do it, but it's just not in the cards for me. Well said. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure to talk with you. I look forward to working with you. I'm really excited about that. Ditto. Ditto. I'm so grateful to talk to you again. I'm excited to be working with you. We now have Senator Kyle Evans-Gay on whip count and i just want to say congratulations on your huge win in district five thank you so much i appreciate it so tell us the big part is over and done with what's next (laughs) absolutely uh the 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 first phase i guess is, is over and done with but um as i have said to so many people um now the real work begins um, and my constituents agree. Um, you know, they have already been reaching out um, and talking about what we need to do in the community. Um, for me, um, replacing a 20-year incumbent means making sure that we don't miss a step um, in all of the work that was being done here in District 5 um, so that folks who were getting help are not starting from the beginning. So that's been a huge thing that I've been focusing on this first week and a half, we'll call it. Um, and then um, it's getting down to business, working uh, with and meeting with stakeholders who are interested in, um, you know, making some policy changes and understanding what we, A, need to do um, for COVID relief and recovery, and then B, what we aspire to do uh, with our 
um, with our opportunity with the 101st uh, General Assembly. And so I'm loving um, all of it so far. It is just as much work as the campaign, uh, but this is the work uh, that I've been wanting to do for so long for my community. So I'm really excited to get started. You mentioned COVID and we're still living through this pandemic. How was it campaigning during a pandemic? It was interesting to say the least. Um, (laughs) From my perspective, though, I had, um, I previously volunteered on campaigns and I, you know, I had knocked doors and, um, but I hadn't really been um, in the, in the core team of a campaign in the way that I was uh, so much as so as a candidate. And so for me, it wasn't as much a relearning process. Um, It was an opportunity to be creative, to be innovative and to take um, from the experiences of my team members and consultants and people that have had experience in campaigning and think about how we can adapt that for this new situation. So it was, it was mostly frustrating in the sense that I, there, there did feel like there was this disconnect without being able to knock on doors. But I think what we really excelled at was making um, that space between us smaller. And that was not just one thing. That was a combination of using social media for where, where, where it works. Um, it was having in-person socially distanced uh, meet and greets in communities uh, where it was appropriate and safe to do it. Um, and it was having conversations with voters on the phones so that they understood what the campaign was about, who I was, and what I believe in, um, and why I want to be doing this. And so I think really without any one of those things, we would not have been successful. It really was a combination and a, a huge team effort to make that possible. It was a heavier lift. It cost more money to do, but in the end, it worked. Yes, and, and the, the interesting thing, the reason why we're online today is you're going into the 151st General Assembly, one of the most diverse. How does that feel? It, it, feel, it, it makes me smile every time. Um, it makes me feel that we not only, like I said, aspire to do great things, but we are walking the walk as a state as far as making sure that we are sending people to Dover who represent a variety of perspectives and bring life experience to bear. Um, I, I, I personally am excited to be, um, you know, the, the only mom of young kids down in the Senate. And already I have spoken to people who are sharing my life experience right now who have reached out and said, I am so excited about this possibility. You can be a voice for us. Can we talk about policy X, Y, or Z? And, you know, that doesn't mean that you just represent the people that look like you or have your life experience, but it means that just being there gives people, it gives people hope and it gives, I think, people motivation to get involved in this process and to work within this process to get things done because now they see that this process is about them as well and it's about so many people in the state and so I mean I just smile every time I look at the slate of new freshmen I am inspired by each of my new colleagues Um, and you know just want to recognize the amazing um, feats that came before us um, and 
you know, the fact that I get to sit in the same chamber as uh, Margaret Rose Henry, who, uh, former senator, who has, you know, supported me and mentored me, um, and, and just being able to build on everything that she um, has started, um, both, you know, in bringing new faces to the General Assembly, but also in focusing on the types of policies that work for everyone and that take into account some of our most vulnerable. You know, and that's what it is at the end of the day. Diversity should be a goal. Inclusion should be a norm. Mm. But we have to use that accomplishment to actually see movement and action on policies and legislation that makes sense for more Delawareans. Absolutely right. And when you talked about giving others hope, yes, you're showing other women, even men who are maybe single fathers, that yes, you can be a parent of young children and still make a difference in your community. Absolutely. And we should all, I think, aspire to do that. I mean, the work that you all do in the GA and your public service, um, you know, the work that electeds are going down there to do. um, I think that if we can inspire more people to join their civic association or volunteer for a nonprofit, you know, or donate for a canned food drive this holiday season, whatever it is, if we can inspire civic action, then we are doing just that much more on top of the good policy that we're working on. I always say things change around you when things change inside you. So you have to want Oh, it. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it, they, they really do. So, but I appreciate your time. Anything else you'd like to add? I think I, I, I don't, I, I never would want to speak for my colleagues, but I, I think I know a lot of them enough to say that um, this new group that's coming in, I think we, we want to be of use. We want to be helpful. We want to learn. And I think that my message to, you know, anyone who's down in Dover or any person listening across the state of Delaware is that if you have an, a great idea, um, if you want to help folks, if you want to get things done, that we want to be part of that. I certainly do. And so I just really look forward to the collaborations to come. Um, and I just, I, I'm so grateful to District 5 for trusting me with this responsibility. I promise I won't let you down. And I, I, like I said in the very beginning, I'm just been excited to get to work. So I really do appreciate you having me on today. Thank you. And when you say you won't let me down, it's funny because literally you are my senator. <laughs> I know there's a lot on the line here. I know I have, I have a big responsibility. So at least, you know, I'm always going to pick up your call. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So no, thank you so much, Senator Gay. And I have, I guess, are you used to that name yet? Have people started no, calling? No, I am absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not used to that name um, at all. So I've been introducing myself as Kyle um, and then people say, wait, aren't you the senator? And so I have to be a little, I have to lean into that role a little bit more, but uh, give me another week and I'll get there. Thank you so much for joining us. Marie Pickney from Senate District 13. It seems that you have a very large district. You cover (laughs) Newark, Bear, Newcastle, anything else? (laughs) Those are the three. Those are the three. Okay. Well, first, I would like to say congratulations. I am so happy to have you on Whip Count for a number of reasons. 
the 151st General Assembly will be one of the most diverse General Assemblies to date. Mm-hmm. And how, do, how does that feel? Well, first, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I've listened to a couple of episodes of What Count. Um, I am a very much a connoisseur of podcasts, so I'm always excited to be on one. Um, but it it feels still kind of surreal to me um, to to be in this place and to be among such an amazingly diverse group of freshman legislators. But most importantly, I think it just feels hopeful. Um, knowing that we all came in running on very similar platforms and knowing that there's going to be so much work that we're going to be able to get done because we have one another um, is just it it brings me so much hope and optimism. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Do you come from a family of politicians or what motivated you (laughs) to get involved? So I do not come from a family of politicians. The closest we get is that my mom sits at home with CNN on all day. (laughs) Um, I do not come from a family of politicians at all. And if we're being completely honest, I never thought that I would be a politician. Um, Although I do shy away from using that word, I prefer to refer to myself as a public servant. Um, But what made me get involved are the dynamic of two separate things. So first is my work. Um, I'm a social worker and I've worked in a few different avenues from uh, adolescent mental health and substance abuse. I've been a foster parent. I've spent years working in trauma and in ICU. And I, I love that work. I think it's incredibly important and I've always been really passionate about it, but it got really difficult to continue to work on the side of the the work where I was just helping people after they were hurt or after their families were torn apart or after some other huge thing that impacted their lives. Um, I really wanted to be able to stop people from going into those situations. And I felt like legislation was the best way to do that. Um, And then the second part of it was our federal administration. Um, I tell people all the time that I, I really feared that we were going to, or we're in, je- we're in jeopardy of losing our democracy. Um, and I felt like if we weren't going to be protected on a federal level, that we had to have a strong state and we had to be able to protect ourselves and take care of ourselves as a state because we weren't getting that federally. Hmm. You know, I'm always pulled into people's stories. I'm so intrigued what motivates people from time to time. Tell me, how do you plan, and, and, and you have such a large district, I love your platform, what's your goal coming in? How do you plan to ensure your constituents that, hey, I am, I'm going to work, especially during this pandemic, how do you, mm-hmm. how, how and, and that's a challenge all in itself, but how do you plan to really wheel them in to assure them that, hey, I am here for all of you guys? That's a really good question. And I don't think I plan to wield them in because I'm going in with them. Um, I often, when I was talking to people at the doors or on the phones or in community meetings about, about my candidacy and about what I wanted to do with this platform once I earned it, I always said and continue to say that I want to be a friend in government. I'm not going into this with all of the answers. And like I said, I'm not going into this as someone who sought to spend their life as a, an elected official. 
I'm going into this as someone who's worked in the community and worked alongside people who have studied broad issues a lot longer than I have. So although I have a background in healthcare, there are other things I don't have a background in that many organizations and many people in the community have already been studying for years. Some have already even written the legislation. We just need to get it passed. We need to bring it to the table and let it be heard. Um, so when you're asking, you know, how do I plan on pulling those voices together. I think that those voices are already pulled together. I think that they just need to be listened to. And it's my desire and my hope to continue to sit down with people as I did when I was asking them to vote for me or to support my candidacy. It's my hope to sit down with them and my intention rather to sit down with them as, as a public servant hear what they have to say and continue to elevate those voices. Um, thank you for saying that you love our platform because the platform was a result of speaking to people in the community. And I can, I intend to continue to do that same thing. You know, well, actually I almost called you by your first name, Senator Pickney. And that's a nickname <laughs> that you're going to, not a nickname, but a new title <laughs> that you're going to have to get used to. <laughs> oh, <goodness laughs> I know. Cause I literally almost, and you know, I may have to do my introduction over. I, I'll record it, but yeah, it just hit me. I am talking to Senator Pickney. Senator, tell me, <laughs> please share, uh, is there anything, any nugget outside of what we know is your platform, any nugget you would like to share with the audience? Because I think the, the goal with this podcast, rather, is to give people a little insight. And you mentioned that you were a foster parent. You mentioned some really good good nuggets. Anything else you'd like to share? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's <laughs> your conversation about referring to me as senator is kind of like a really good segue into that. Um I am still getting like lots of congratulations and lots of people like referring to me as senator and it's to me still a little bit like not I don't want to necessarily say uncomfortable but it takes a lot of getting used to because I'm I, I am Marie like I'm just I'm, that's kind of always who I've been and how I who I intend to continue to be um, just before this call I was sitting down with my bosses trying to figure out how I was going to continue to work and be an elected official because I still need to pay the bills just like everybody else and I have been a foster parent I've experienced the struggles of trying to raise a child on a single single person salary I have a hundred thousand dollars worth of student loan debt <laughs> like I am trying to keep a roof over my head and help my family and help my friends and help my community and I think that that is probably the most important nugget that I want people to to take away from from me and my experience with this is that I'm just I'm just a regular person like everybody else I just want us to live better lives and I think the way that we do that is by working together as a community you know we put a lot of emphasis on elected officials um, and on a surface level I can understand why I got this really crazy piece of mail sitting next to me that says the honorable Marie Pinkham I'm like who is that <laughs> who is that but I, I so I think that if we can humanize these roles and realize that we are all just everyday people trying to figure it out together um then we can really get to work you know we have an amazing opportunity where so many people right now are engaged in the legislative process and that people people want to see democracy at work and if we 
as elected officials can continue to uplift those voices, we can really get to work. And that, that I, that's one saying that has stuck without my campaign, throughout my campaign, and even now is let's get to work. And that's what I'm here for. And that's what I really want to do. Moving over to the House right now, I have Representative Medina Wilson-Anton with us. I joked earlier with Senators McBride, Gay, and Pickney about getting used to their new titles. Hearing the word representative before your name is something I'm sure you have to get used to as well. Yes, I am. It's finally starting to set in and I'm getting a little bit like, you know, adjusted, I guess, but it's still just a really amazing feeling and the feeling of excitement and being blessed that's that's really where I am right now. <laughs> what motivated you to run for office and get involved? Sure. Um so <laughs> not the most positive emotion I guess but just the feeling of frustration and um that frustration being coupled with the knowledge that things could be better and and kind of like the idealism that I have for my community, for the state, um, that's really what, what motivated me to get involved and to, instead of just complaining about how things are, try to actually make a difference myself. Um, yeah. Tell us about your win. Take us back to the moment and how did it feel? I'm really honored that the people of the 26th district chose me to represent them in this upcoming session. Uh, and as somebody who has a very intersectional identity, you know, I'm a black Muslim woman, I'm young, I grew up in this area, I come from a working class family. Um, it's it's really, really inspiring and motivating and all those positive things to think about how we're going to have real representation this coming session. And I hope that it continues. I, I was talking to some folks last week about all the firsts um, that this session has brought, the first. Muslim, the the first um, openly gay man, so many firsts, and I was just remarking how it's exciting, but I hope that in the coming years we kind of get past that, and we're not breaking barriers. We're just having true representation at all levels of government, so I'm excited to see that happening. What are some of the things you're most passionate about? Sure. Um, <clears throat> economic justice is really important to me. And, you know, as a left-leaning uh, woman of color, I think it's really important to achieving racial justice. And I think, you know, I think with more progressives in both caucuses, in the, in the House and in the Senate, I think we're going to be able to see some real shifts towards a more progressive taxation in our state um, and more programs that help the most vulnerable in our communities. Um, you know, we're dealing with a pandemic right now, and so I'm excited that there's going to be people at the table who are really rooted in the community and are not going to be afraid to step up and say, no, we're not going to cut programs that are important to our communities and balance our budget on the backs of people who are most vulnerable right now. And so that really excites me because I've seen in the past where that hasn't happened. Um, so I'm, I'm just really excited. And like, like I've been saying, I'm really excited to get to work. Lots of things to talk about, even celebrate in Delaware Joe Biden, elected president of the United States. 
and he's Delaware's own. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I mean, we're really excited. A friend of mine from college who's like TikTok famous, she has a video where she talks about when people ask you, where are you from? And you say, I'm from Delaware. And they're like, where is that? And all the different quips people have. And she made kind of a, what I'm calling my anthem for right now. And it just goes, I'm from Delaware. Delaware, I'm from Delaware. And I made my little video to it. And I know there's so many people that are in my feed that are really, really excited that somebody from Delaware is going to be leading our country, somebody who went to the same university as a lot of us. Um, And I actually work at the University of Delaware right now as a policy analyst at his namesake, the Biden Institute. Um, So I'm, I'm really excited and I'm looking forward to seeing what um, our new president and vice president do for our country. What should folks know about you that they may not already know? Um, well, I did used to work in the legislature. I worked for the Delaware House Representatives as well as the Senate. Um, and so I'm really excited to bring the insight that I have as a former staffer to the legislature in a new capacity. Um, I grew up in the area that I'm representing. It's a very diverse area. And one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that the suburbs in our state and across the country are actually very diverse. And, you know, leading into this presidential election, a lot of the conversation was about suburban women. What are suburban white women thinking? Who are they going to vote for? Well, the fact of the matter is a lot of the suburbs are not white, and they are not just white women. Um, The area that I live in is suburban, but it's actually a majority-minority district, and it's one of the most diverse in the state of Delaware has the highest rate of foreign-born residents out of any district. Um, And this is, like I said, where I grew up, and that diversity really has shaped me into the person that I am. Um, And so that's the perspective I'll be bringing down at Dover, and I'm really, really excited to get to work with a lot of the other new people. I'm hoping that you're able to talk to them as well. Um, But Eric Morrison, Ray Moore, Larry Lambert, our class is, I think, a powerhouse, and so I'm really excited to join them come January. I'd like to take this time to introduce all of you to Representative Eric Morrison. Welcome. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I mean, I in general, I have a background in education as an educator, and I also have a background in um, healthcare, specifically with uh, Medicare, Medicaid, the Delaware Prescription Assistance Program. Um, I did a lot of work with seniors and even traveled up and down the state, um, educating them about programs, signing them up. I helped implement Medicare Part D prescription drug plan coverage in Delaware. So so seniors are are very near and dear to my heart. Um, And I'm also passionate about criminal justice reform and a lot of aspects of that and law enforcement reform. Why public service? Do you come from a family of politicians? No, not at all. And and I joke, you know, that if anybody had told me, you know, maybe five or six years ago that I'd be running for office, I, I would have called you a liar. Um, I've always been really heavily involved in the community, really since the age of 13. I always joke and say I, I was one of those kids who drove my parents crazy because they were always driving me to this group, that group, this meeting. Um, and then and then I continued that in college. 
And then as an adult, I was very heavily involved with Delaware Pride. I was on the board for many years, and I was president for almost four years. Um, I also did a lot of fundraising for organizations like Delaware Pride, AIDS Delaware, the Rainbow Corral of Delaware. Um, I've been volunteering regularly at the Food Bank of Delaware for about 17 years. So um, I've always been very active in my community. And then um, back in 2016, um, I became very inspired by uh, the Bernie Sanders campaign, volunteered a lot for that campaign. And um, when he, um, you know, unfortunately did not did not win the primary, he said, go local. And I became very heavily involved with a group called Delaware United that pushed for progressive uh, social and legislative change. And I was on the steering committee for a few years. And from there, it just seemed like a, a natural next step. How does it feel to be chosen by your district to represent the community in January in the 151st General Assembly and a very diverse one at that? It feels wonderful. You know, and and ironically, um, I don't know if it was before my campaign or after my campaign. I think it was before. But um, I've written quite a few editorials for the News Journal, and I had written one about how we had made gains, you know, in the last few years in terms of diversity in the state legislature, but how we really needed a lot more. So to see that really come more towards fruition is wonderful. Um, you know, I, I'm so thrilled to be um, not part of just myself and not two, but three openly, um, the first openly LGBTQ folks elected to our, our legislature. Um, and we see lots of people of color and women, and um, you know we elected our first uh, Muslim les- legislator. So it's it is very very exciting. And you know I'm not a big fan always of identity politics. I always said I don't want anybody voting for me because I'm gay. I want people voting for me because they believe in me and because they believe in in our platform. But with that being said, representation matters and. I, looking back, I can imagine that it would have made a difference in my life growing up if I had had more LGBTQ role models, especially local ones that I could look up to. So I think that's important. Getting a little ahead of ourselves, but tell me, what pieces of legislation would you like to see passed next year? Oh, goodness. That's so hard, and I get asked that all the time. Um, you know, one thing I'll say first, well, two things, and I, I, and I don't mean to avoid your question at all. Um, I think there's a lot of legislation that's come so close to passing. And I think that now that we have more progressive voices in the leg- legislature, I think we have a really good shot. Um, I also like to look at things and say, okay, what is not being done? What's missing in certain areas? So, for example, with criminal justice reform, we've made some good progress in Delaware, 
and certainly I appreciate the efforts of the legislature and the governor and the attorney general to work together. But one thing that hasn't been addressed, for example, is um, solitary confinement. And I, that's one thing I would like to work on is banning solitary confinement in Delaware. So I'm trying to look at, you know, kind of these issues and, you know, what I see as, you know, things that are missing. And, and you know, that's, that's something that I enjoy doing a lot. Any fun facts about you that you like to share with constituents and other listeners? People often forget that legislators are just real people. <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of times people forget that elected officials are people, you know, and, and we are. We're people. Um, well, one fun fact, and this is something that actually was part of my primary uh, but is um, I'm very proud that for about 25 years I have performed as a professional female impersonator. Um, that got put completely on the back burner since the campaign started. Uh, but I've performed, um, you know, in Delaware, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Jersey, Florida, different places on the East Coast. Um, and I'm very proud of, you know, it's a longstanding art form in the LGBTQ community. And I'm also proud that I have done so much work uh, to help raise a lot of funds through the female impersonation for all kinds of, uh, of groups, not just LGBTQ groups, but, but a lot of other community organizations as well. So it, it was very enjoyable, and it's also a great way to give back to the community. Let's welcome Representative Larry Lambert from District 7. He represents the Claymont area. Thank you for joining us here on Whip Count. It is my pleasure to be here on Whip Count. I've been looking forward to it. I, I've always wanted to be on the best podcast on Apple. <laughs> First, I'd like to say congratulations on your win. You ran for this position in the past and decided to do so again. Tell us why. So, so that's an outstanding question, and, and I really appreciate that. So for me, my background is in community advocacy. I do a lot of work in, in the greater Claymont, North Wilmington, Arden area. And what happened was in 2018, the incumbent in office was my friend Brian Short. He had been in office for over 10 years, a, a dozen years. And what happened was when he retired, it left a vacuum of leadership. So immediately someone jumped in the race and some of the local nonprofits that I had worked with, some of the local mom and pop small businesses that I had worked with, they reached out to me and they said, Larry, we don't know this person running. Have you ever considered running? You do the work. We know you. We trust you. Have you ever thought about it? So what I did was I did my due diligence. I put my feelers out there to gauge the temperature of the community. And immediately one neighbor stepped up and said, Larry, I'll be your treasurer. And another neighbor stepped up and said, Larry, I'll be your campaign manager. And the rest was history. We came 86 votes shy in a five-way primary, which was the closest race in the state. And after that night, uh, we just never gave up. We kept working hard. We kept doing the work. And 2020 was upon us. And when we ran again, when we kicked off our campaign last year, we ended up winning the September primary. And we won by 652 votes. We won by 18%. It really surprised a lot of people. 
but we went on to the general election, and on Tuesday, we won with 67% of the votes. I'm the first candidate in the 7th District to receive over 8,000 votes. So at this point, the people have spoken. They really want that grassroots, community-focused leader, and I look forward to being that. I look forward to bringing forward legislation that works for all of our families and can make the 7th District the best it can be. That's inspiring to hear. Well, you're now part of the 151st General Assembly, the most diverse in the state's history. How does that feel? It's an absolute blessing. And for me, the biggest honor is to represent my wonderful community. I was born and raised in the 7th District. And for me, when I go down there, I take the word representative literally. You know, I reflect our neighbors in North Grayland Crust that are passionate about environmental justice. I reflect our neighbors in Claymont that during this COVID, you know, they were the essential workers and they want their essential work to be reflected with essential compensation. So I advocate for livable wages. You know, I stand up for all of our neighbors who also want automatic voter registration. Who who want to make sure that we have you know cumulative health impacts legislation. So for me, I'm not representing Larry Lambert. I'm representing our whole seventh district, and I'm looking forward to working with my new allies, my my new counterparts down in Dover in the 151st General Assembly. Sounds good. What are some of the things you're most passionate about? So for me, my passion really started with listening. And when I listened, I heard the concerns of my community. And one of the concerns that that I heard was that, you know, uh, during the pandemic, when we had our neighbors cleaning, you know, some some of our local senior assisted living centers, like, um, you know, uh, the fault, let's see, Forward Manor, um, that were taking care of seniors at our community centers. Um, When I talked to neighbors that were working at our local fast food restaurants, Um, I heard that, you know, all of them were being referenced as essential workers, but their compensation wasn't essential. So one of my main passions is the livable wage. So when I look at my two years as co-chair of Delaware's Livable Wage Coalition, we advocated and we fought for a livable wage. And what we ran into was politicians raising the minimum wage by 50 cents and patting themselves on the back for the next two years all the way into re-election. So as we speak, according to the Department of Labor, Delaware's minimum wage is 29th in the nation. That's 29th lowest, 29th worst. And just two short years ago, it was 25th. So we're going in the wrong direction. That's why I want to make sure that we have legislation that that reflects our neighboring states of New Jersey and Maryland, whose minimum wage is $11 now. And when you look at our state with our youth and training wage, our minimum wage is $8.75. That's unacceptable. So I want to make sure that we address that. I want to make sure we address equity and school funding. I want to make sure that we have weighted school funding so that our youngest neighbors, our, our youngest citizens um, that are English second language that may have special needs, I want to make sure that they get the resources that they need. I want to make sure that when it comes to environmental justice, last, last year, around this time in November, the uh, Sunoco refinery and Marcus Hook had a valve malfunction 
and it led to the ground under our feet rumbling. Thousands of neighbors in our district woke up scared in the middle of the night on a, on a Saturday, not knowing what was going on. So I want to make sure that when it comes to our environment and the health of our neighbors, that, that we get the resources and the support that we need. So for me, there's a whole plethora of things, and I encourage anybody to take a look at my website, LarryFordDelaware.com. That's F-O-R. And you can learn more about my platform, my plans for our wonderful district, and how I can make sure that together we can get through this challenging time and return us to normalcy, but to make sure that all of our families have the resources they need to be successful. The Delaware Legislative Black Caucus has increased in size, going from 8 to 12 members, including yourself. What would you like to say about that? Uh, I love the history that's being made. It, it's, it's transcendent, and I'm so honored to be coming in with this wonderful, beautiful, vibrant freshman class. And, and what's even more important in the history that we make is the legislation that we're going to pass is us taking on the mantle of hearing what just happened on November 3rd and honoring the change that neighbors voted for. When we really look at where all of these new voices have come from, you're talking about, you know, I ran in the Brandywine 100 Arden Claymont area, and we have, you know, different different legislators with bold, fresh ideas moving us forward all the way down to my friend Cherie down in Middletown. So we don't represent, you know, one specific area. This this has been a, a, a vote that was loud and clear across our whole state. So when we go to pass legislation, meaningful legislation that, that helps all of our families, we need to remember that this isn't a segment. This isn't an area or one demographic, the diversity that you reference. It shows that it's across the board and it's across ge- geographic regions. Anything else you'd like to add? So um, so if, if I were to add one last thing, I would just say that, you know, I want to really uh, take my hat off to the, the wonderful community of our 7th District. During the pandemic, when challenging times hit, when a lot of people were afraid, we, get, we gathered together in four different faith-based organizations. We uh, created an initiative where we fed over 300,000 pounds of food to 3,000 neighbors in need. So we were hand-delivering boxes of food to firefighters that had quarantined, to seniors that came, uh, tested positive for COVID, all the way down to a family in Gwynhurst that lost their house in a fire. So during challenging times is when you really see what somebody's made is when you really see what a community is made of. Leadership isn't about what you do when God's sunlight is shining. It's about what you do when the storms come. And when I stood up, when when I took the, my community leadership to the next level, I didn't do that on my own. It's a we campaign. It, it's a we effort. And I look forward to continuing to serve my wonderful 7th District with the leadership and the guidance that we all stand for. Just want to pick your brain a bit more. How does it feel to take on a new role during a pandemic? Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. These are challenging times for everybody. So for me as a lawmaker, as a freshman lawmaker, I'm blessed. I mean, the challenges that we're going to have around technology, social distancing, making sure that everybody's safe, the challenges exist, but they don't 
have anything on the challenges of my neighbors in my district. We're talking about people that don't have access to the resources of the state government. We're talking about some people that may have been furloughed or out of work because of the pandemic. When when I was hand delivering boxes of food to seniors and shut-ins during the pandemic, I reached out to some civic association leaders and they asked for food themselves. When I reached and I touched base with some of our beautiful mom and pop businesses, they asked for food too. So this goes across the board. So yes, I may have a little technology issue here or there. Um, you know, when I get uh, a fit, when the general assembly goes in a session and we get, uh, you know, formally sworn in, I'm not going to be able to have my whole family there. You know, there's going to be family members that won't be able to enjoy that. And for me, I don't even see that as as a problem when I look at how big of a problem some of our neighbors in our 7th district have. So I want everyone to know that they can feel free to reach out to me anytime. My my number is 302-408-0901. My website, larry4delaware.com, F-O-R. I'm always here for you. I'm the neighbor that shows up. I'm the neighbor that follows through. Larry Lambert, state representative, 7th District. (laughs) You almost sound like P. Diddy. (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) Take that, take that. I know, right? (laughs) I love it, though. But, no, I'm glad that you shared your, your, your number. And so... Yeah, it, it's good to, to know that your constituents have someone who is willing to be on call at all times. Wrapping up these interviews, last and certainly not least, I have Representative Sharia Moore with us. Congratulations, and thank you for joining us here on Whip Count. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Now, you're the first Black woman to be elected to serve the southern part of Newcastle County. How, how does that feel? I'm honored. Um, although I ran just because I knew I was qualified and I could bring a lot to the table, um, with my background and my experiences. It so just happened that, you know, I was a black woman. And then after doing um, some research, everyone was like, you know, you had the chance to be in the first black woman elected south of the canal. And it was like, it just so happened that I was making history as well. Um, but I am honored. Um, I've gotten overwhelming texts and calls about how, you know, People are so proud, and this is paving the way for the future generations. And I'm happy to hear that as my campaign slogan was more for the future, and this is one way to start providing them more. Explain that for us. I understand you are passionate about education, but anything else? I'm passionate about education, the environment, health care, pretty much just making sure that we're doing what we, all that we can to ensure quality of life for all Delawareans, no matter how much you make, no matter what your zip code is. Everybody at this point, especially due to the impact of COVID-19. Is public service a new interest of yours, or has this been a passion of yours for a very long time? So I, I would say I always had an interest in um, being a public servant. 
I learned at an early age from my father. Um, when I was 10 years old, he had a nonprofit um, and he served the community. And he had a, um, his nonprofit focused on HIV um, awareness. And he used to take me to his meetings all the time and do help him do community events. So it was instilled in me for at a very young age. Um, at 15 years old, you know, he had me running um, the youth division of his nonprofit. So I've always had a background and upbringing in uplifting and serving the community. Um, that's what I've been doing for 15, the last 15 years of my life, whether it's been working um, at a mental health nonprofit, um, being a teacher, working for the General Assembly. I've always been in a career at a job that helped, that had me advocating for others. So one thing that I know I'm good at is somebody tell me they're in need, I'm going to find a solution. And that is what yielded me to step up and run. Um, my concerns as a mother and um, my firsthand experience is being a, a teacher. And then I quickly identified that a lot of the issues that, you know, our community are facing, and especially in our school, is done down in Dover. So once, you know, my rep decided, you know, he was going to retire, the community called on me to, you know, consider. And then it became the question, why not me and why not now? Well, let's talk a little bit about your district. Anything you'd like to share? No, um, my district is very unique. Um, I only um, represent Middletown. We have one zip code, 19709. Um, it's pretty much the outskirts of, excuse me, it's pretty much the heart of Middletown. So we go from Summit Bridge all the way into town over to Route 1, um, and pretty much that's it. Our, our borders, we're literally smack dab in the middle of two Republican districts. So we're a solid Democratic district. Um, our, the number, it was a two-to-one favor for me. Um, I do feel like, you know, we have work to do. January is right around the corner. Is there anything you'd like to get started on first? The first thing I would like to get started on is, um, one, working with community partners. I already know it's already established about universal um, pre-K. Um, that's one near and dear to my heart. And also creating um, a pipeline for teachers and expanding our workforce um, through education. Um, those are like, education is really my top priority. And it's just because as you know, I'm just really still connected. I would like to work on a lot of juvenile projects for the youth, um, expanding, you know, whether it comes to the criminal justice side of things, when it comes to labor side of things, um, and also getting um, the youth more involved into agriculture and environment and energy expansion as well. So our minds is just really um, youth-driven and focused, but also maintaining a focus on the day-to-day -day lives of those who are older and other age groups as well. Whip Count is brought to you by the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash DEHouseDems, on Twitter at DEHouseDems, on Instagram also at DEHouseDems. More episodes are coming, so make sure you're subscribed.